everybody. This is Jim. And Jeremy. And we are on show number 31. Today we're going to be talking about forgotten bands. Bands that maybe, maybe you have heard of and probably you may not have. Bands that may still be together. But we're talking about mostly bands from, uh, well, they are bands from like 50 years ago that had albums out. And, I think uh, I forgot who I'm <clears> supposed <throat> to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <Da -dun> -dun <laughs> so this uh, podcast will be in two parts because not that it's going to be three hours, but no one wants to listen to a three hour podcast. You know, I've got things to do um, well, you know, besides planning, work. Planning yeah. to drink a few beers, right? Yeah. You know, I got movies to watch and TV shows and books to read. Jeremy. When he's not working, he's looking at his autograph posters, counting them. CD yesterday, two days ago, yesterday. Oh yeah, um, Shine Down. Shine Down. Yes, Jeremy got uh, autographed. Yep. How many autographs do you think you have? Too many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't counted mine. Yeah, no. I figure I have at least five hundred. I can say easily five hundred or more. Because Jeremy's at an autograph show almost every week. Every you weekend, know? yeah. Yeah, that's why I work two yeah. jobs, to have fun and buy autographs. <laughs> and he still has not gotten Christina Ritchie's phone number. Nope, not yet. She just had a child. I I'm think she's a, married. I'm too. on her speed dial. But. Yeah. So we're uh, going to start out, we've got two beers here, and we're going to start out with the first one. We're going to try this. Actually, let's try this other one first. <laughs> okay. So there's this brewery uh, in New Jersey called Cape May, which I love. And I've never tried this one. And this is an IPA. I love IPAs. Follow the goal. Mm. Okay. And was it made at the beach? Isn't there a Cape May? Like yeah, this has a little bit of sand in it. Okay. And probably a seagull. Yeah, um, that's uh, excrement. I see him on the, yeah, on the can. Yeah, there's a seagull on the can. He tried to snatch the can. Before you brought it in here. Yeah, there's actually a little dents in it, claw marks. Yep. Yep. Uh, this is actually a, a lower uh, alcohol volume than most IPAs. It's a 5.5. So I'm going to crack this open. This is exciting. Oh, yeah. We have these little glasses here. We're going to ease into it. We do a flight, so it's a little foamy. It's the flight of the seagull. Oh, you got a little bit more uh, poop than I did. Oh, man. At least they didn't take my cheese it, fries. It sounds fizzy. <laughs> looks fizzy. Let me taste it. Looks like apple cider. Yeah, it looks like a hazy it IPA. Smells, smells very citrusy. Not much taste out. No, not at all. It's very... I think that's the problem with the lower alcohol content IPAs. Uh, you don't get that full hoppiness of the beer. It's still... I'd, I'd say it's a good summer. Oh, yeah. Summer brew. For sure. You want something light. You want to drink... Uh, you know, 10% beers while mowing the lawn, you know, <laughs> you might forget where you're mowing, end up mowing the neighbor's lawn. We don't want to do that. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start out with some music news. There's a new movie coming out called Amsterdam, and it's coming out in November. The reason I mention it is that Jeremy, Taylor Swift is in this movie. Perfect. I don't know if she's ever been in a movie before. Aside from music videos, maybe? Not doubtful. Yeah. A person that, I don't think she looks quite like Taylor Swift, but Anna Taylor-Joy, you know, because the, the movie trailer doesn't, in the description, it says it shows Taylor Swift, her face, and I, I, I didn't see it. <laughs> so I don't, I'm sure she has a small part, but this movie takes place in the 1930s. And interesting enough, I found 
because we're doing Forgotten Bands from like 50 years ago. The song in the trailer is a song called I Love to Change the World by 10 Years After. And they were a band, you know, in the 70s. Hmm. I don't know if they were on our list. So um, I forgot. They're not on mine. But there's a lot of people in this, a lot of uh, Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, Robert De Niro, Chris Rock, Anna Taylor-Joy, of course, Mike Myers, and Michael Shannon, and Rami Malek, if I said that right. Hmm. He was um, Freddie Mercury, of course, in Bohemian Rhapsody. And there's, there's no character names yet, so there's no word on who Taylor Swift is playing. Sounds like a good cast, though. Yeah. So my other piece of music news is, I'm sure people know about this by now, but and I'm not assuming everybody watches Stranger Things, <laughs> but it's Kate Bush and her song, which I'm actually sick of by now, Running Up That Hill. I really never really liked that song. I'm just amazed at what it... This song came out in 1985, and it only went to number 30 on the charts. And now I'm pretty sure it went to number one on streaming. And she has made 2.3 million. Wow. So far. Wow. And by the way, this podcast you're going to hear in August. Uh, it is only July recording. So, you know, Stranger Things has been good for that, though, because uh, what was it? The Clash, Rock the Casbah. Not that mm-hmm. that wasn't a popular song, yeah. but I think that got a boost yeah. after Stranger Things came out, too. She has broken three world records. Wow. She now holds the record for longest time for a track to reach number one on the UK's official singles chart. (laughs) Oldest female artist to reach number one on the UK's official singles chart. And longest gap between number one spots on the UK official singles chart. So it sounds like her song didn't make it to number one in 1985, but not in the US. And the previous record holder was Cher, who was 52 when her hit Believe took the top spot in 1998. Now there's another song they use, and it's Metallica, Master of Puppets. If you've seen Stranger Things, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, There's a character, Eddie, and this song is uh, used in the final episode. It plays a big role, as does Kate Bush's song. That song came out in 1986, and... That was his own album, wasn't it? Master of Puppets? Yeah, I think that, yeah. That was the name of an album. Yeah. That, I like that and Injustice for All, but yeah. So this song, as of July 7th, uh, has shot to number seven on Spotify's top 50 U.S. playlist. And it's the first time it has ever broken into the playlist top 10. And I, I think that's the playlist for um, streaming music. So maybe Metallica, you know, make a million dollars. So who knows? They'll probably sue somebody. So Kate Bush's song, if I recall correctly, had, I want to say it had like a billion (laughs) streams. Wow. So that's what you need to make like two and a half million. A billion. Billion Which is almost impossible. That's that's what's amazing that this song just took off. And it's great that a lot of, I assume, younger people are now know who Kate Bush is. Maybe they didn't know who Metallica was either. Who knows? You know, if you're like 18, 20. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I actually, one of the, you remember Guitar Hero Rock Band, that phase that was there for a while? Mm Mm-hmm. So when it first came out, they had kind of generic rock band Guitar Hero songs. They had various artists on a game. 
Well, Metallica was one of the first bands to actually release their own version of the game where it was nothing but Metallica songs. Oh, yeah, okay. They did that with the Beatles. Yes, and yeah. then there was some mixed in, but the Metallica one was one of the first like non-generic mm-hmm. rock band games I had to have. I had that for a while, and I think it was at the end of the run with, uh, with that where I bought one of the guitars. But I like to play, you know, a regular guitar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not that I can play Metallica, but, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it was a difficult game, you know, the more difficult songs. I'm sure Metallica was just, I mean, w- one of the more difficult artists to play. The Beatles might've been a little bit easier. Yeah. Metallica, the challenge was the songs were all long. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, kind of a typical guitar hero rock band set you could kind of mix in short songs long song go back to a short song Mm -hmm. with a metallica song you were going from a six minute to a six minute to another seven minute and your fingers were getting tired a lot lot easier (laughs) so but it was fun probably couldn't play it now if i tried but Now I want to talk about some new bands that some are new, some aren't, but new music that I've been listening to. There's a band called Mama. Uh, album is Household Name. So this came out July 1st. It's a band from Los Angeles. Allegra Weingarten. What? Why do I always have to pronounce difficult names? <laughs> Etta Friedman. It's basically these two girls. They make up the, you know, the brunt of the band. Uh, it's their third album on the Lucky Number label. And there's a band on that label that I also like called Dream Wife. I don't know if you ever heard of them. I've heard of them, yes. They said they wanted to make their own Nevermind. You know, Nirvana. Like, like Nirvana, okay. Yeah. But it's not, this is not grunge. I really like it. Um, closest song is called No Stage. That is kind of Nirvana-ish. You know, the guitar. I think the singer's voice is a little too chipper, you know, to be anything more... Uh, she sounds like Juliana Hatfield to me, but songs you need to check out are Tall House. I don't know if it's about the cookies, Lucky, (laughs) (laughs) Spider, and No Stage. And then another band is Umphreys McGee, Asking for a Friend. Uh, they're from South Bend, Indiana. They're kind of, it's straightforward rock, kind of mellow. Most of the songs are the same tempo, but I kind of like their sound. I think I've heard stuff from them before. They've been around a little while. So songs that I liked were I Don't Know What I Want, Always October, uh, Fenced In, and It's Not Your Fault. And now Tedeschi Trucks Band is a band I've liked for a long time. And they're doing something similar to uh, what Weezer is doing with the Seasons albums, putting out four albums you know, each season this year. They have a series of albums called I Am The Moon. So they're each named, you know, I am the moon, one, and then... They should have named them quarter moon, half moon, three quarters moon, full moon. So the first one is I am the moon, one, crescent. Uh, That came out in June. I am the moon, two, ascension, July 1st. That came out. And the next one is... (laughs) I don't have that one. Dark side of the moon. Yeah. (laughs) There's going to be four total each month. Total 24 songs. Oh, the third one is the fall. Fourth one is Farewell. So they're each going to have six songs on? Is that the deal? Yeah, yeah. That's what it sounds like. Uh, so the vinyl for all four comes out September 9th. So they'll be done with putting out, you know, all four by then. Uh, they're from Jacksonville, Florida. 
A couple songs I like is Fall In. That's from one. I Am The Moon. And the other people in the band, like Fall In is sung by Mike Madison, and I Am The Moon is sung by Gabe Dixon. So it's not Susan Tedeschi or her husband, Derek Trucks. So that gives it a little bit different sound, and they actually pull it off. They, they sound really good. And then the last uh, artist I have is a girl named Lucy Dacus, D-A-C-U-S. Now, she only has a single out called Kissing Lessons. Now, it's, it's not, you know, like a poppy dance. It's actually crunchy guitars. Um, she's from Virginia. I don't know if she's putting out an album, but I really like that song and really look forward to, you know, more music from her. So Lucy Dacus. So that's what I've been listening to lately. You know, I haven't listened to a lot of new music lately. I just got the new Shinedown CD, so I've been playing that the past few days. But we got some concerts. Well, you and I have a concert together coming up soon. Mm -hmm. I've got a couple of concerts that I'm going to. So I've been listening to Everclear. Mm -hmm. 30 year anniversary already. Mm -hmm. Would have never guessed. You know what's weird is uh, my friend Ken, uh, he posted today, uh, what is your favorite song he could have said songs, but he said song from 1990s, from the 1990s. Uh-huh. And my answer was Everclear, Santa Monica. Santa Monica is a great I song. I just picked that out of the blue because yep. there, there's other songs I like from the 90s, of course. Right. But for some reason, that I picked that one. So Fastball is going to be playing with them. And okay. I, I've been listening to, you know, those two bands, their, their older tracks. Buck Cherry, who I've mentioned mm-hmm. on the show before, I'm going to be seeing them soon. But Didn't then, you get the VIP? Yes. For Buck Cherry? Yes, I will be finally meeting the band. I've, I've seen them enough times, it's, you know... You'll see the tattoos up close. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. He'll, hopefully he'll still have his clothes on by then. <laughs> yeah. Wait until he takes the yeah, stage. Yeah, the lead singer usually shirtless, and yeah. he's covered in tattoos. I mean, to be fair, he's a good-looking dude, so if, mm-hmm. if you got it, you might as well show it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, the other band that I like to plug whenever I can is Blackstone Cherry. I know you said that you were supposed to see them one time. They were an opening band and you didn't go. Probably. But they're all like, I love these guys. It's it's like a Southern rock band. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in Gettysburg tomorrow, but they recently released a like live from Wembley DVD. Okay. And it it's all the way up to like number two in sales. Really? Yeah. So I went and I actually pre-ordered it myself. There was a um, a bundle where you get the DVD and... The mm-hmm. CD. I'll so obviously they sound good live. Yes. So I'll be checking that out because I'm curious to see. I mm-hmm. mean, that's impressive. Yeah. For a lesser known band to, mm-hmm. you know, be in the top 10 of live sales. Yeah. Because I didn't want to get into it too much, but I've been, I go on TikTok a lot. I know Jeremy's not on TikTok, but all I see is Vince Neil singing girls, 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 not the chorus, but the lyric part. And you can't even, you can't understand what he's saying. Like, I don't know what he's saying. I don't know if he forgot the lyrics. He sounds awful. I, I have to say it's sad, but I've seen video, because Def Leppard is touring with Motley Crue, Poison, Joan Jett. So Poison sounds good, Def Leppard, except it was the 4th of July celebration, and Def Leppard, they, they were on TV, and they didn't sound good. No. Like, he might have been having a, maybe his voice was strained a little bit. Yep. He was off key a little bit, but, you know, everybody has a bad night. You know, when you mentioned Motley Crue, Def Leppard is one of my, you know, five favorite bands. 
I've seen them several times live, but they just released an album recently. I think it was called Diamonds or something to that extent. Yeah. And it didn't, I didn't like the album at all, which is rare Mm -hmm. because usually I can, you know, I'm buying. It was Diamond Halos and I think it's after something David Bowie. Okay. Song or something. But I can usually, you know, I'm biased enough that I can usually find something that I enjoy Mm. about their music and I just was not feeling that album at all. Mm. Yeah. And I've tried to listen to it four or five times now and just, I shut it off and move on to something else. It's, it's funny, but I really like the song that he sings with Alison Krauss. Yep. It's a slower song and it's, I always like those ballads, uh, even, uh, you know, like Motley Crue when they did, you know, the ballads. Home Sweet or, Home. Home Sweet Home. Yep. That's probably my favorite <laughs> Motley it's Crue song. Phenomenal song. Yeah, when they get on the piano and... Oh, come on now. Kickstart My Heart is your yeah, favorite Motley no, Crue star. <laughs> actually, like, I like Smoking in the Boys' Room. There you go. That's a good one, too. But that's not even... A, that's a cover song. Mm-hmm. But they actually did it better, I think, than the I original. I like their version better than the original, yes. Yeah. So now we're going to get into forgotten bands. And like I said before, these are bands that you'll find out if they're still together or not, but they could have had hit albums. I mean, we'll find out all about this. They could still be together. Maybe they broke up, but bands that you may not have heard of, or maybe we'll, there's one band that Jeremy's going to do. Jeremy's going to mention one band that I think once he mentions the two songs that were big, singles then you'll be like oh okay maybe you wouldn't know the name of the band that's actually going to happen with both of my bands in this (laughs) okay so my first band is called still i span i've never heard of this band before and one type of genre we normally don't talk about is folk music unless it's if you want to consider taylor swift folk we mentioned bob dylan you know the more popular artists folk goes way back course but it became popular in like the 1920s and 30s it led to an interest in collecting and recording folk songs Uh, it goes way back this band uh, started in 1969 in england and it was started by this is another band i never heard of fairport convention i guess it was a folk band never heard of them so the bass player ashley hutchins and also the london folk club duo tim hart and maddie pryor So they were the basis of the band when the band started. The band was part of the 1970s British folk revival. So this is a band that was pretty popular in the UK, but not so much in the US. Jeremy and I, we we picked bands from a list. I don't know how many were in the list. There were quite a few. Like 25 or something. Yeah. So we each picked four bands, and I just picked this band. The first three albums are mainly categorized as singer-songwriter. Now these are... Definitely traditional songs. You know, they were from poetry, stories, folklore. That's where folk music came from. And then as they went on, they realized they needed to pump up that folk a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. And they introduced drums and eventually electric guitar. Now, that's what I found interesting about some of their later albums. You hear electric guitar. Okay. But I have the feeling they wanted to be the biggest British folk band anyone had ever heard of. And too bad they became a band no one in the U.S. has probably ever heard of. It's sad. 
So the first six albums, after the second album, it was more categorized as folk and not singer-songwriter, but their first six albums were mostly uh, made up of traditional songs, children's ballads, no originals, but there were some odd songs thrown in, which I found interesting, uh, like Buddy Holly's Rave On. It was a bonus track on their second album. Interesting. So can you imagine Rave On as a folk song? <laughs> uh, now, the sixth album called Now We Are Six, that was in 1974. They recorded Phil Spector's To Know Him Is To Love Him, which was originally recorded in 1958 by the Teddy Bears. Well, I never even heard of either. Okay. So now, by this seventh out, I'm going to take you through this journey with Still Eye Span, okay? So sit back, grab a drink like we are. <laughs> Get your but folk on. <laughs> Jeremy's intrigued. He's like, what's, what's next? What the folk am I hearing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so by the seventh album, they not only realized they did not have any original songs but they didn't have a song about elves and elves, not Elvis. Yeah. (laughs) So somehow they found a traditional poem about elves called elf call. Mm. It's about taking care of an elf child. Oh, so like buddy, the elf. Yeah, sort of. Okay. So here's two lines from the song. You'll get the idea. Come and nurse an elf child, elf child, elf child. I'm not going to sing. Come and nurse an elf child down beneath the sea. How this elf got down there in the sea, I didn't know they could swim. Maybe it was sort of a fish, elf, spawn with gills, you know? Sounds like he sunk. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't find anything about the origins of this song, like where this song, like, came from. It says it's a traditional, (laughs) traditional elf song, though. Is it Christmas or is it just an elf song? No, it's just an elf song. Okay. Yeah. And then I think the king elf, like, speaks in this. He doesn't speak, but there's a verse with the king elf. I don't know why he wants them to take care of his child. You know, deadbeat dad. King elf. Deadbeat elf. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> As they progressed through the years, they added some electric guitar, like I talked about before, and maybe got a little bit more daring with the traditional songs. Now, they put out 24 albums, Right. From 1970 to 2019. So they are still around. I don't know if they've toured recently or maybe in the last couple of years or before COVID. Their eighth album was uh, called All Around My Hat, 1975. And it was their biggest charting album. It reached number seven on the UK albums chart and stayed on the chart for six months. Amazing for a folk album. But back then... uh, the UK was like uh, progressive rock, folk, you know, maybe they had some rock thrown in there, you know, rock music, but I think they were more, a little more open to this type of music, obviously, than the US. And it briefly made the band a household name in the UK. Now, in the United States, it became the band's first album to chart, which it did chart, but it only reached 143 on the charts. <laughs> and the title track, all Around My Hat, made it to number five on the UK singles chart. Nice. So their ninth album, uh, I want to talk about this, came out in September 1976, but I just love the title of this album. It's called Rocket Cottage. 
And the album cover is what you imagine. It's a rocket ship, but in the middle is a cottage. <laughs> it's like the cottage is converted into a rocket ship. But unfortunately, this is sad, Rocket Cottage, it was a victim of bad timing because by the time it was released, British punk had taken over the UK. So before punk came on the scene, the music listeners' taste in the UK were mostly folk, like I said, and progressive rock. So groups that previously had been very popular, uh, like Still I Span, and Yes, soon found themselves categorized as dinosaurs. So they were done with the folk. They said, get the folk out of here. There you go. <laughs> I just made that up. That was a good one. <laughs> Original member Maddie Pryor, she was on 14 albums up to the album Horkstow Grange, which was 1998. So she was on the first 14. Her last album was in 1996. Uh, at this time, she was experiencing vocal problems, so she recruited this woman, Gay Woods, her name was. She was in the original lineup, and I guess she left the band then. Now... On the album from 1996 called Time, it's their second song about elves. They said, we need another elf oh song. God. And it's called Elf Night, K-N-I-G-H-T. Oh, Jesus. So, is it an elf in armor? And I'm going to tell you about Elf Night. <laughs> See, we're, we're here to educate people. You're going to know all about this band, whether you like it or not. Hopefully, you don't turn the podcast off at this point. but. So Elf Night, right, Jeremy? <laughs> it tells the story of a young woman who elopes with a knight who has promised to marry her. And there's a variation on the story. Some, in some instances, he uses magic to charm her. But then he tries to murder her to get her money, clothes, and horses. And I guess he's also an elf. I don't know. I'm picturing, you remember those trolls, the plastic <laughs> dolls? I'm picturing yeah. one of those yeah. in shining armor. Yeah. With like the helmet coming down over oh, his yeah. head. Yeah. <laughs> so the moral is, ladies, never trust an elf. They're, they're trouble. So Maddie, <laughs> back to Maddie. She returned in 2004 for the album they call her Babylon. And then uh, Gay Woods was no longer in the band. And in 2020, they celebrated 50 years. They toured and put out the album, the 50th anniversary tour live. And that was their last album. So I have some songs, if you're daring, like I always say, check these out. Uh, one is I See His Blood Upon the Rose. Now, this is from the 2000 album Bedlam Born. Now, Gay Wood sings on this one, and it's an ori original song. So believe it or not, this sounds like Evanescence went folk. Mostly the slower lyrical parts. If you listen to her voice, just, I don't know. It sounds like that. Uh, also, check out the album Dodgy Bastards. Uh, another great title. This is from 2016. This album is listed on Apple Music as folk rock. It's a little bit more progressive and, and louder. This is, I think, one of their better albums, but it, it strays farther from what they started out as. I mean, there's a song called Boys of Bedlam, and I think this could almost be covered by a heavy metal band. There's some weird screeching violins in the song. There's rapping. Yes, rapping. Hmm. But this song, this song is great. And then there's a song called Two Sisters. I thought this kind of sounded like uh, between like Heart and Jefferson Airplane, sort of. 
she does sound like Ann Wilson a little bit on this one. But I also think Heart was had some folky songs like Dreamboat Annie and you know the slower songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a song, and don't forget Elf Call and the Elf Night. You know, if you're really curious, I think this band is great musically. You know, we always hear about Peter, Paul, and Mary, or maybe not anymore, but I think this band pretty much blows them away as far as folk bands go. I'm serious. I don't know why they weren't bigger in the U.S. I also heard, like, some Jethro Tull in there, so check them out if you want. (laughs) Still Ice Band. So uh, my first band of discussion is going to be the Guess Who. Who? The you guess want me who? to guess? Absolutely. Before I get into a little bit about the band, I stumbled upon the Guess Who's music as a kid. I was a fan of The Who, not to be confused with The Guess Who. I was big into Napster, LimeWire, the music downloading uh, programs, and I got a Guess Who greatest hits album that i downloaded and started listening to and went what is this it's not the who and you know when i was when i was younger i think i thought without hearing both bands enough of them i i just assumed the guess who was was the who and they shortened it yeah to the who yes (laughs) so listen to the music and you know, obviously, we've you've heard me say it on this show enough. You know, just from us hanging out and talking, I got hooked on the music my parents loved. Mm-hmm. And this was your typical, like, late 60s, mid early to mid 70s rock band. So I got hooked right away because I knew a lot of the songs. And what caught me off guard was just how much of the Guess Who I knew Uh without even realizing it. Yeah. Because they were quite popular on the radio. But to this day, if you were to ask somebody about the Guess Who, they don't know a lot about them. They don't realize that they know their music. It's it's one of those deals where, you know, you can rattle off American Woman or Mm -hmm. No Sugar Tonight. And, oh, I know who that is. And it's like, yeah, but they've got like... You know, a yeah, I, dozen, think I, I knew they did American Woman. Yeah. They've got a dozen other songs that you've probably heard before and don't even realize that they weren't number one. They weren't top five. They weren't top ten, but they were mm-hmm. played consistently on the radio. So the Guess Who is a Canadian rock band. They were originated by Chad Allen and the Reflections in 1962. They adopted the name The Guess Who in 1965. Uh, originally, they were formed as like a garage rock band. Thought that was definitely interesting because, you know, growing up in that kind of grunge area, you think of like the Ramones. Obviously, it's like the first band that comes to mind when you talk garage bands. But to think that the Guess Who was kind of in that category was a little bit mind blowing to me. Their best known works are pop rock and psychedelic rock. Surprising to me because psychedelic, I think of like a Jefferson airplane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but. I don't necessarily think of the Guess Who as psychedelic. To me, they remind me more of like a Grand Funk Railroad, Mm -hmm. somebody like that. Their biggest success came from 68 to 75 under the leadership of singer-keyboardist Burton Cummings. Uh, During that period of time, they released 11 studio albums. So in what, eight years? Oh, wow. 11 albums. They were were doing well. And I mean, I realize... That's when bands would... Record an album a year, yes. two albums a year. They either recorded or toured. It was constant. Correct. You know. And 
it sounds great, but I don't want to undermine how difficult it was easy to put out albums, but it wasn't necessarily easy to put out albums. So mm-hmm. it, to me, it was still an impressive number. The album American Woman reached number one in Canada, number nine in the United States. Five of their other albums reached the top ten in Canada. They were definitely big in their home country. Not that they weren't big in the United States, but they were big in their home country. The albums that were in the top ten in Canada that you may have heard of were Wheatfield Soul in 69, American Woman, obviously, Share the Land, which is a very good album from start to finish, So Long, Bannatine, I hope I'm saying that right, Mm -hmm. I was out in 71, Rockin' in 1972, and then number 10, uh, that hit 7, that came out in 1973. Some of the singles that, how do I want to put this? Because it's, when you listen to a band and you hear their greatest hits album, sometimes you fall into the trap of getting caught up listening to only their popular songs. Yeah. And you don't get to appreciate everything the band has to offer. You know, Pink Floyd is a band that comes to mind for me. Like everybody plays The Wall or another brick in the wall or whatever over and Mm -hmm. over and over again. And it's like they've got a million other instrumental, mind-blowing songs that are just very mellow and easy to rock out and relax to. That's the thing, the... um... The popular songs, they're good songs, but they may not be as complex as some of their other songs that they would play on the radio, especially instrumentals. Right. Because a lot of times your radio songs are, you know, kept to, I don't want to say a minimum, but three to four minutes is probably the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times your singles or your instrumental songs might be seven, eight, nine minutes long. Might be too long for the radio, but it might be great to listen to at home or mm-hmm. playing a video game or you're working yeah. out or something. But a couple of my favorite songs, aside from American Woman, No Sugar Tonight, would be No Time, Undone, Laughing, These Eyes, which is, if you haven't heard These Eyes, very, very good song. Uh, kind of ballady. I think These I know. That. Yeah. That's the guess who? Every night. You sure it's... They did that originally? For you. Yep. Really? That is, that is the guess. I know that song. <laughs> yes, it's a great song. That's a 70s song. Um, Share the Land is another song that I love. Broken, Rain Dance, Sour Sweet, Running Back to Saskatoon, and then Star Baby is another one that I would recommend. Of all the albums that they had out, I think my favorite album that wasn't a big hit album was Canned Wheat. Uh, it was their fifth studio album. Canned Wheat. Canned Wheat. Like Canned Heat. Yes. Canned Wheat. Canned Wheat. <laughs> it hit number 91 on the Billboard Pop Albums chart. So we're mm-hmm. not talking like a top album yeah. here or anything. It's regarded as a rock classic, but it had No Time, Laughing, Undone, Minstrel Boy, 6 A.M. or Nearer. That was side one. Five songs. <laughs> Side two, Old Joe of a Dropping Pin. Key, which is an 11 minute and 24 second song that is just so relaxing from start mm. to finish. It's mm. just, it's 70s rock, but it's just a relaxing song. Fair Warning is the last song on Side two. In 2000, they were able to re-release 
the album and they added a couple of bonus tracks, Species Hawk and Silverbird. What was the long one again? Key. Key. Okay. Yeah. I'll check that out. Okay. You know, as I was doing this research, as I said, I stumbled upon them as a kid, but I didn't really know a lot about the band other than kind of their hits. It was it was interesting to me to to kind of see I don't know why, but I like Canadian rock music. Mm-hmm. Nickelback, I'm a fan of. I know a lot of what? people hate them. Yes. Okay, get out of here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Podcast um, is over now. Yeah. I love Rush, right? Yeah, I love Rush. Another yeah. Canadian band. And then to find out that these guys were Canadian, it was like, Bob geez. and Doug McKenzie. <laughs> I could go for a refill on my April beer. wine, I think it's from <laughs> Canada. But I'm just kind of surprised. They So they released an album as recently as 2018 okay so they are still together but it's not all of the original members at Mm -hmm. this point but i'm surprised they were not more successful than they ended up being yeah because they have a very good sound they their music does not all sound the same and they had more than one hit correct and they had yeah and they had different like these eyes is so different than american woman yep you know so they had they had a, a wide range of what they could do correct as far, musically whereas like my second band i'll get into it is a little more kind of the same yeah music mm-hmm. which is fine there's there's different bands that have different niches but i think the guess who had a lot of talent that they expanded from you know as far north as possible to as far south as possible mm-hmm. and hit everything in between and just for whatever reason became a forgotten band i sometimes wonder if it's promotion management i mean why is the who bigger than the guess who why are certain bands right are still when you mention them you're like yeah i know who they are you know the rolling stones who doesn't know who the rolling stones are right why did they become huge we all know why the beatles did they were just very you know they like hit after hit after hit you know elvis we're not talking about those but certain bands um like that there's not too many left but you know i think of the stones uh being one of the bigger ones. The biggest, you know, next to... I was When you think of the Stones, you think of the Beatles, so... Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to try this next beer. You want me to finish off the first yeah. beer? Yeah. Okay. The wheat, the, the wheat wannabe beer? Yeah. This next beer is a little more potent. It's called Mine Haze. Ooh. It's a double IPA, and this is from California, Firestone Brewery. It looks like something straight out of a Prince concert. Yeah, the can. You could drink this while listening to Prince. Absolutely. Like, or Jimi oh. Hendrix. Oh. You know, you go by Purple Haze. There you go. I like to um, when I listen to vinyl albums. I like to pair up beers sometimes. That's so, what made me think of it. I know you do that. I'm sometimes disappointed. I go to the beer store. I actually look at names of beers before I look <laughs> to see if like I can pair them up. You know, like there's one called Elvis Juice. So of course, when I buy that, then I'm I listen to Elvis. You know, you got to listen to Elvis. Presley or Costello? It's just, oh yeah, I could listen to either. So this is as hazy, even though it's mind haze. It's a little hazy. It's in a purple can. I was kind of waiting for purple beer to come out. That is stronger. It's darker too, just looking at the two side by side. So it tastes similar to the first one. <laughs> it doesn't really. But a little stronger. It doesn't smell as citrusy. It smells a little more fruity. But I can taste the alcohol. That's a little bit more. You know, if you're going to have like one or two beers, or if that's your nightcap <laughs> beer, you know, you want to top the night off with that one. It does take, taste a lot like the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So those are similar. That's hard to do. So the first beer was follow, follow the goal, like seagull. Yeah, the seagull and found mind us games. mind games and yeah. So the seagull learned some magic and turned this other beer yeah. into mind haze. Yeah. Yeah. Why is one can, uh, can substantially bigger than the other? Uh, the ones at one pint, which is like sixteen ounces, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. The other one's twelve. So we're just talking to ourselves here. Absolutely. Okay, my next band, you may have heard of, they have an interesting name, Uriah Heep. <laughs> I always thought that name was strange. Tell you where the name came from. So it's actually a name of a character in Charles Dickens' novel, David Copperfield. So the band origins go back to 1967, when 19-year-old guitarist Mick Box formed a band in Brentwood called Hogwash, not to be confused with Hogwarts. And they began playing in local cl uh, clubs and pubs. When their singer left, their drummer, Roger Penlington, suggested his cousin, Derek Garrick, change his name to David Byron. Those sound right? the same. So Box and Byron formed a songwriting partnership, decided to give up their day jobs and go professional. They then changed the name of the band to Spice. <laughs> Not to be confused with Spice Girls. They were the Spice Boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Spice avoided playing cover songs and according to Box, always strove to do something original. So after the band got signed to Vertigo record label, they still performed under the name Spice, but in December 1969, they decided to change their name to Uriah Heep. So their first album released, get this, was called <laughs> Very Evie, Very Humble. <laughs> Uh, it was a mix of heavy metal and progressive rock, and not really the hard rock that they'd be known for later. So the album got really bad reviews, and especially this one particular review from a Melissa Mills of Rolling Stone magazine. And get this. This is a doozy. If this group makes it, I'll have to commit suicide. <laughs> from the first note, you know you don't want to hear any more. Wow. And this was in Rolling Stone magazine. Wow. <laughs> what year I don't was even that? know if you could print that in the magazine. <laughs> I was going to say, what year was that? <laughs> that was around 1970. Wow. So the band's second album was Salisbury. I like Salisbury Steak. February 71. Uh, it was more progressive rock. It had a 16-minute title track featuring a 24-piece orchestra. Hmm. You know, where'd they get all this money? Second album, they're just spending money, right? It's not like you're friends with a 24-piece orchestra. Hey, guys, you want to come, <laughs> come over and play? <laughs> I'm not going to go into all the albums, of course. Uh, well, we don't want to commit suicide, so that's good. <laughs> they had their only top 40 hit, and if you think you never heard of the band before, you may know this song, and the song is Easy Living from their 1972 album Demons and Wizards. It's kind of, it's rock and roll. It's kind of smooth, you know, easy living, been forgiven. You know that song? I do know that song. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Even before, of course, this is before music videos and then M MTV, right? The band filmed a music video for the song. Wow. In 1972. That was the band's first hit in the United States. And the only, like I said, top 40 hit. It peaked at number 39 on Billboard Hot 100. Uh, but the song had great success in the Netherlands. They loved it there, and it reached number five. 
I reached the top 20 in Norway, Denmark, Finland, and Germany. So the U.S. wasn't too keen. I mean, it did go to number 39, so that's something. You know, I'm sure there are bands that didn't even get in the top 100, you know, with songs. Oh, for sure. Should we call them a one-hit wonder? Probably was the highlight of their career, right? But believe it or not, the band is still active. (laughs) (laughs) And there are one-hit wonders that are still active, of course. So in 2018, they released their 24th album, Living the Dream. And it was recorded live in the studio in 19 days. You know, where they all play with the orchestra. Together, not separate tracks, but just do it live. Okay, let's go. And they, uh, so over the years, the band had many lineup changes. But original member Mike Box, he is the only original living member. He has remained in the band throughout their career. Here's what the other band members, what became of them, okay? So bass player Gary Thane, T-H-A-I-N. He was on tour, this was 1974, in the United States with Uriah Heep when he suffered an electric shock at the Moody Coliseum in Dallas, Texas and was seriously injured. But then due to his drug addiction, he was not able to perform properly and he was fired from the band in early 1975. What a way to go. (laughs) And he was replaced by former King Crimson bassist vocalist John Wheaton. Thane died of respiratory failure due to a heroin overdose on December 8th, 1975, at age 27. Wow. Uh, lead singer David Byron was kicked out of the band in early 1976 because of his heavy drinking. David Byron, the vocals on the early stuff... You know, he was kicked out of the band in 76, so every, everything before that was David, David Byron. That's the guy that changed his name that we heard in the beginning. Right. Incredible vocalist. If he was still, well, if he was still around, he would be very old and he might not be able to do the vocal. But when I listen to these songs, I'm thinking how cool it would have been to see them that with this vocalist, he had such a great range. He could, he could hit those high notes. Now, he died of an alcohol-related complications at the age of 38 in February 1985. And then the original drummer, Lee Kerslake, he passed away in September 2020 with a long battle of cancer. He was 73. He also worked with Ozzy in the early 80s. Uh, Ken Hensley, he was the original guitarist. He died in November 2020 after a short illness, and he was 75. So if you want to check out Uriah, I recommend these songs uh, to get a feel for the band. They're pretty much, uh, like we said, progressive rock, metal. So I really won't recommend Easy Living because you're not going to get a good feel, believe it or not, for <laughs> what they really sound like. It's one of the most radio-friendly of their songs. There's a song called Stealing, which is from the album Sweet Freedom, 1973. It went gold in New Zealand. Uh, it's a good swinging song. Once you hear the song, you'll understand what the band is. It sounds like southern rock bluesy. Until you get to the middle of the song. And David Byron hits that high note. I'm telling you. Stealing. <laughs> Listen to the song. Because you'd be like, what just happened? It, up until that point, you're like, he, he's, you know, singing normally. Right. But he, he just keeps going up and up. <laughs> uh, Sympathy from Firefly, 1977. It's weird, but this song reminded me of something that Muse. <laughs> there you go. Would do. Uh, I really think they should cover this one, really. Muse, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, and now, this on this song, it's John Lawton. 
and he replaced David Byron. But he does an incredible job. He even hits those insane high notes. So that's a good one. Grazed by Heaven, Living the Dream, 2018. And this you'll kind of get the idea of the, their newest sound. Uh, it's very far from the their songs of the 70s. This is almost heavy metal. But I, I hesitate kind of to give this a, a heavy metal uh, certification because there is, it sounds like an organ in there. You know, heavy metal and organs don't kind of go together. Now, what I found interesting is the album from 2018, it went to number 10 in Germany hmm. and number five in Switzerland. 2018, they've been doing this so long. So that's my... Kate Bush, you got some competition there. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my take on Uriah Heap. All right. So my second band, uh, you kind of alluded to them earlier, Jim. A a band that I had heard on the radio. Obviously, they they have two very I don't want to say very big hits, but they're they're pretty popular songs mm-hmm. that are played quite often. What I found when I did research was my initial mindset of wow, how are they not more popular? Kind of changed when I listened to their music and started hearing kind of the same thing mm-hmm. over and oh, over okay. again. Uh, they went through a lot of band members. The The band I'm alluding to is Golden Earring. So you've probably heard the song Radar Love at some point, or even the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. And not the TV show, but it's... <laughs> I don't want to say it's a rendition of that, but it's it's a very different song. Yeah. For sure. I was listening... Not to interrupt, but no, I'm going to... fine. Go ahead. I was listening to the... I listened to the New Wave station on Apple Music, right? Mm-hmm. There's a New Wave station. And they'll play odd, some they'll group in there, I don't consider new wave, but I don't know why, but Twilight Zone, or the Twilight Zone came on just last week, and I really listened to it. But I want to say, we were talking about radio friendly and how it has to be a certain, it should be a certain amount of time, like three minutes. Mm -hmm. I was surprised because I didn't realize that song is over five minutes long. Yes, it is. And I think it goes on a little too long. It goes on too long. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, we're talking about it, so I'll jump yeah. into that. Yeah. But oh, okay. one of my least favorite songs by Golden Earring is Twilight Zone. There's nothing wrong with the song, and I actually do enjoy it, but it just feels like it goes on forever. Yeah. With nothing happening. It's just the same kind of flatline beat and song over and over. Well, you know what? what's sad is that I always thought it was cool in the song. They say, I think they say like, like a bullet to the bone. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So when you first hear, I thought that was the coolest, but then they keep repeating it. Yep. <laughs> they should have just said it like once or twice. Cause I thought that was a cool, you know, a different thing. line, yeah. but it ended up being yeah. a repetitive chorus yeah. in a yeah. sense. They were actually a Dutch rock band. I didn't know okay. that. They were out of the Netherlands. Founded in 1961 in The Hague as the Golden Earrings. <laughs> I had no clue that they started out as Golden Earrings. They they went through a ton of band members. Uh, it was by album number five that they dropped the S. I didn't realize, heard them played back in, what was, uh, the Twilight Zone was 80s, right? Mm-hmm. 82, I believe. Back then, you we've said this before, back, you know, obviously back then you couldn't just go on Wikipedia or figure something out, but I just... I didn't know until recently how old that band was. Right. I just I thought they were new then when they came out with those songs. I would have assumed that it was a new band. I would have assumed they were an eighties rock band. Yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah. what their music sounds like. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like your typical like rat or mm-hmm. white snake eh, white 
they sound a little bit better, yeah. better than golden earring but yeah just kind of your typical like rock band that gets by does a couple songs and then mm-hmm. that's it but i was amazed at how long these guys were around and we'll get into it here their their claim to fame was radar love which came out in 1973 went to number one on the dutch charts reached top 10 in the uk and hit number 13 in the u.s which surprised me i would have thought it would have been higher than that Mm because it's played to this day quite often but what i really found interesting was their next hit twilight zone came out in 1982 Uh nine years between hits when the lady smiles came out in 1984 that was kind of their only other big song they're listed as hard rock but i would not in a million years consider golden earring to be a hard rock band um i kind of just based on those two songs i kind of think they're more like uh the romantics kind of i don't even know what they look like like the romantics look cool you know what i'm saying uh they they kind of they kind of look like the monkeys a little bit okay I, I don't think of them as a hard rock band. I, now they're considered classic rock. Everything's considered classic rock. But mm-hmm. even like ACDC is considered now classic rock. But I would have thought of them as a hard rock band yeah. at that time, not Golden Earring. With all due respect, they were active from 1961 to 2021. Really? 60 years. Now, as I said, they, they went broke through... up last year. <laughs> well... <laughs> They're officially retired, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, finally. (laughs) You have, God, and I I hope I don't butcher these names, but you have Rhinus Gerritsen, Gerritsen, George (laughs) Kuyman's, Barry Hay, Hey, Caesar (laughs) Zderwajik. I knew I was going to have some fun with this. You got Fred Vanderhilst, Hans Van Herwarden. And then you got Bob Smith. Yeah. Peter Dirand, Franz Krasenberg, Jop Egermont, Cyb Warner, Burtis Borgers, <laughs> Ilko <laughs> Jelling, Burtis Borgers, Hurdy Burdy Burtis Borgers, Robert Jan Stips, John Legrand, Legrand, something like that. They were all in the band the same time. No, 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 no. This was all. Yeah. <laughs> that was a huge fan. Philip Van Boom. <laughs> so obviously they went through a number of different lineups and mm-hmm. that wasn't uncommon. There's one band that I just remembered when you said that called the Outlaws. Yes. Look them up. And they got like 30 past members. Yes. Well, didn't America, don't they have a lot of past members too? I don't know. I I could be wrong, but. Don't change my image of America, Jeremy, because I just think of the two guys in America. There you go. The two guys, horse with no name, singing. I don't want to know that there's anybody else in the band. Okay. (laughs) And Oz never did give nothing to the Tin Man. But anyway, what was quite mind-breaking was several of these changes happened before 1970 really i know they started in 61 but you figure that first hit was in 73 so before they even had their first hit they were already having substantial Mm -hmm. lineup changes within the band i thought that was interesting the discography they had a ton of albums really yes (laughs) you had just earrings winter harvest which i will talk about in a minute that was probably my favorite album to listen to miracle mirror on the double eight miles high 
Golden Earring, Seven Tears, Together, Moon Tan, which was 1973 that had Radar Love on mm-hmm. it. That album was so disappointing to listen to. Uh-huh. Radar Love was the only song I enjoyed That's on sad. it. Every other song was like six minutes or longer, and it just felt like they yeah. all ran together. <laughs> it felt like over an hour of just listening to a boring concert. It was it was miserable. <laughs> Their Switch. concerts probably are two songs, you know, Radar Love and Twilight Zone. Probably. Um, you got Play the hits. S- yeah. <laughs> Switch to the hill. Contraband. Grab it for a second. No promises. No debts. Prisoner of the night. Cut news. The hole. Keeper of the flame. Bloody buccaneers. Which sounded like a cool album just by name. It didn't sound like mm-hmm. a cool album when you listen to it. <laughs> Face it. Love sweat. Paradise in distress. Millbrook USA. And then in 2012, my favorite album title name whatever you want to call it by a band created so 2012 they're formed in 61 what 50 years prior Mm -hmm. tits and ass (laughs) was that a good album (laughs) i did not listen to that one to be honest with you (laughs) so i i mentioned that i wanted to talk about winter harvest it was their second album Mm -hmm. so this was before some of the changes this was before radar love every track on the album was two minutes and 40 seconds or less with the exception of one, which was 357. They were slow songs. They were the typical classic rock sound, mm-hmm. but it was an enjoyable album because they weren't, they weren't too long. They just long enough. It reminded me of like, I'm not comparing them to the Beatles, yeah. but Sgt. Pepper's, mm-hmm. the album, a yeah. lot of kind of sh- quick, short tracks that mm-hmm. were very enjoyable. It reminded me of that. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed winter harvest the most of all the golden earring albums that i listened to after doing this research i'm a little bit disappointed because this is a band that i thought i was going to have a lot of fun researching and Mm -hmm. listening to and they very easily would be a band that i wouldn't be upset if i didn't hear them ever again yeah to be honest with you It, it sounds and they have no greatest hits album no it sounds cruel it sounds crude but it just i was very disappointed researching yeah. this band because i had i'm amazed they lasted this long if, yeah i had higher expectations i guess i can see why they were a forgotten band i mean you can go off be a, a little experimental have some long songs but at least have interesting songs that i mean they were just churning out album after album and right they were lackluster and yeah, yeah. no substance no flavor just an album to have an album yeah you wonder what record label they were on maybe after Radar Love, they got signed to a big label, I would imagine. Now, Radar Love, you said, do you know what year that was? 1973. And then Twilight Zone was? 1982. You can't go that long without a hit with a record company. And in between there, right. And in between there, you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven albums. See, then with the Twilight Zone, maybe then they were signed again, because that's what labels do this is the one or two i don't know when the show came out but did that have any kind of influence on that song i i don't know i didn't research that i just thought of that (laughs) as we're talking the show was from the i want to say the 60s okay Uh, so then definitely wouldn't have been that yeah well maybe it 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 is a reference i think to the show and i don't know when stephen king's book came out there was a movie that came out oh the twilight zone Mm -hmm. yeah there was yeah just i don't know i'm i'm 
grasping at straws because, like I said, I did not think of this until just I think now, it was but. a term that they used for the song, you know. Yeah. I forget what they're saying in the song. <laughs> Before they say the Twilight Zone. I, I, I can't. <laughs> I listen to every other song other yeah. than that because yeah. I've heard it so many times. Now I can't even picture it's, it in my mind. Okay, so I guess that does it for part one. Thanks for listening. I forgot to remind people, uh, we will have a podcast name change September. No longer Jim and Mike talk music. It's going to be No Good Music, K-N-O-W. If anyone wants to email us, you have any suggestions, anything you want us to talk about, any bands you want to talk about, anything, uh, you can email us at nogoodmusicpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you are an artist, musical artist, of course, and you've recorded songs and album in the last two years, feel free to email us. Send us a link to your website, you know, where your music is. We'll give it a listen. If you hear back from us, we liked it. Uh, We may even want to interview you. We've done almost 30 interviews and a lot of people that maybe were famous at one point, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be super famous. We like to interview new bands, Mm -hmm. new artists. It could be a 15-minute interview, 30-minute. doesn't have to be that long. Promote your album, your band, what you're doing, if you're touring, whatever. So again, no good music, podcast at gmail.com. And you'll hear us again soon. Intro and exit music by the band 99%. Today's show was produced and edited by Jim Thatcher. Jim and Mike Talk Music is recorded at, did you say, seven studios in Washington, New Jersey. You can find Jim and Mike Talk Music on Apple Music, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The songs IKWYB by Forget the Whale and Body Busy Blues by Tech Beast, used with royalty-free permission. (laughs) 